Or in- this is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. But what happens if a fifth arm of the government, so to speak, that is the press or the news media conspire together, confederate together, contrary to all of the understanding of the founders of America, that they are the ones to hold government responsible. What if, though, they confederate together to, shall we say, become an extension of that government to gain dominion and control over communications? That's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. It is said that power corrupts, and that absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So no one would have ever expected that uh, technology would have taken over as it has today, with uh, enormous monopolies covering all forms of uh, communication, and yet that's exactly what has happened. And it has dramatically affected our ability to speak. Unless, of course, you're speaking along the lines of that which is deemed to be acceptable speech, that which promotes a particular agenda, a particular viewpoint, But unless you align yourself with that viewpoint, the so-called market of ideas means nothing. John Stuart Mill, the famous philosopher, said, If all mankind minus one were of one opinion, mankind would be no more justified in silencing that one person than he, if he had the power, would be justified to silence all mankind. Well, that's true. You see, God has given us speech. He's given us the ability to speak. Now, he does want our speech to align with his word, his will, and his ways. He does. He makes it very clear in his word. Jesus himself said, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Words are very important. They're like seeds. Words are like seeds, and they produce after their kind. Some produce good. Others produce ill. Some produce freedom. Others produce slavery. Words are important. In fact, words are so important that from the Bible's perspective, they reflect who we are. Jesus himself said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But what if the abundance of your heart does not align with big tech, for instance? What if the abundance of your heart does not align with a particular political party or a particular moral viewpoint? What if 
your the abundance of your heart is different than that which is deemed to be acceptable. For instance, does not align with the current version of political correctness, multiculturalism, and religious pluralism. That means your ability to communicate your heart is restrained or cut off. You have probably heard the phrase, speak now or forever hold your peace. Speak now or forever hold your peace. There probably would never be a more apt moment in history to speak now or forever hold your peace. Because our ability to speak is being cut off. Our ability to speak is being cut off in many ways. And it's not just in the political arena. In fact, a number of years ago, I've reported on this here on Viewpoint, a musician by the name of Michael Card, who was then rather prominent in the in Christian music circles, uh, had written a book called A Dangerous Cross. And as he was interviewed here on this program about 15 years ago, he interrupted the program and he said, Chuck, I, I, I really feel like I need to tell you and your listeners what happened to me when I tried to publish this book. Remember, this is talking about the cross of Christ, the very centerpiece of the Christian faith. Here's what he said. I found it almost impossible to get this book published. He said, I went to numerous Christian publishers and they all rejected the book. He said, I want you to know why they rejected the book. Here's what they told me. The cross doesn't market well anymore, or it doesn't sell well. Notice, this was about the free market. The free market had constrained Christian publishing. They believed that the cross didn't sell anymore, therefore they weren't going to allow Michael Card to communicate a message from his heart that was needful for Christians in America. And you thought the cancel culture, you see, you thought that was only in the secular world, didn't you? No, that's just one small illustration of what's happened over and over and over again in Christian publishing. Speaking of publishing, I remember many, many years ago when I was then in California uh, making a trip up towards Solvang and up that area in San Luis Obispo and so on. And up in that area of California along the coast is a famous mansion. It's the mansion of William Randolph Hearst. It was the first time I'd ever seen a fancy swimming pool indoors. This was his abode, William Randolph Hearst. William Randolph Hearst was the publishing magnet of the entire Hearst newspaper conglomerate. He's the one, actually, that kind of put Billy Graham on the map. When Billy Graham was doing a crusade in Southern California, William Randolph Hearst heard about it, and he gave this instruction. Puff Graham. Puff Graham. And because William Randolph Hearst 
had such a commanding position within secular publishing in the country, Billy Graham rose to stardom as a result of, at least in part, William Randolph Hearst and his publishing power. But what if William Randolph Hearst had said something like, crush Graham, crush Graham, then it would have had a very different approach, wouldn't it? Very likely, or it's possible that coming out like that against a Christian speaker and leader might actually have encouraged many people to go listen to Billy Graham. We don't know. But what we do know is the power of the press. But now it's all digital. How about the power of high tech? Is high tech actually now manipulating and controlling our ability to speak? Is it significant and how significant is it? We'll be right back after this. This is Viewpoint. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Like the robber barons of yesteryear, big tech monopolies threatened the core of our economic system by engaging in predatory pricing, exclusionary fees, anti-competitive takeovers, and much more. The reality is they don't want you to say what's on your heart or in your mind. They don't want that. They only want said what they want said. Now, interestingly, that's power. And power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But God has even more power than that, doesn't he? And it's he that gave power, ability to humankind to speak. In fact, he gave us freedom to speak. And have you noticed that even though God would give guidelines in his word as to what kind of words would be pleasing to him and what kind of words would not be pleasing to him, he gave you and me the ability and freedom to speak what was in our minds and our hearts. He did not try to keep those words out of, shall we say, the spiritual marketplace. He allowed them to come, and then he turned around and said, by your words, you're going to be justified, or by your words, you're going to be condemned. In other words, ultimately, our words would reveal who we really are, what we believe, what we stand for, the direction of our life, the hope for our country, the hope for our families, and so on. Even the nature of the church and its current direction on the near edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, as we look at this, if God himself, with infinite power, was not willing to curtail free speech, then why do human beings feel that they have the authority to do so? 
One of the things that set America aside from all others is the guarantee in the Bill of Rights of freedom of speech. Yes, freedom of religion, that's America's first freedom. And freedom of the press, that's also freedom of speech, by the way. You see, so those were the basic freedoms that were guaranteed to Americans. Why do you think people flooded from all over the world to come here? It wasn't just for the prosperity. It was for freedom. But freedom is not free, friends. As has been said in the past, you have to sacrifice for your liberty. In other words, you have to be diligent. You have to pursue diligence to preserve the freedom because evil forces want to curtail that freedom. If our minds and our hearts are attendant on God's word, his will, and his ways, and we're humbling ourselves before him, then we would expect the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts to be acceptable in his sight. That you would think would make them acceptable in the mind and heart of all peoples. But as we have progressively rejected the word will and the ways of God in America, while continue to maintain a motto that says a nation under God, you see, what we have actually done is diminished our ability to trust one another's speech. Then along comes the digital world. Unlike William Randolph Hearst that relied upon print, now the digital world has such massive ability both to disseminate and to control that it is threatening the ability to maintain a democratic republic. It's threatening every aspect of our lives. And it is paving the way for the Great Reset, the New World Order, that Klaus Schwab has been calling for on behalf of the World Economic Forum, that our current president has been calling for and represents. And so there's this tremendous tension that's going on in our world, a tremendous tension, and it's growing. And big tech is aware of its power and of its innovative competitors. So today on Viewpoint, in the second half of the program, we're going to be joined by Congressman Ken Buck, who has written a book called Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Ken Buck, he'll be joining us, Lord willing, uh, in about uh, 15 minutes from now. And so I hope you'll look forward to that. But in the meantime, we're setting the stage for this. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about what can happen, what needs to be done to try to curtail, get a hold on, a handle on the seeming boundless power and influence of big tech. And so I I hope you'll stay tuned so that we'll be able to talk about that in greater uh, detail. So, He says that the only way big tech has managed to act as a silencer is through its monopoly status. It wouldn't be hard to realize the result if the king controlled the printing presses in the colonies. 
Well, big tech is acting as the modern-day king of speech. I think we can understand that. So in the era of big tech, we don't need to ask what-if questions. We've seen the suppression. We've seen elected U.S. senators and congressmen center, uh, censored on platforms and suspended from engaging in free speech. We've seen Christians prohibited from engaging in free speech. We've seen how Facebook has shut down many Christian communicators, many Christian communicators, because they did not want their viewpoint to be communicated broadly, while claiming that they're the facilitator of, shall we say, social media? No, they're actually anti-social media, but they are intending to shut down all communications that don't line up with their particular viewpoint. So the irony, as Ken Buck explains in his book, is it's inescapable. The political leaders who founded America embrace speech to combat repression and economic strangleholds. But now, big tech is using its platforms to repress speech of political leaders and others, to maintain its economic and ideological strangleholds. And this is not isolated. In fact, big tech overwhelmingly censors Republican members of Congress by a rate of 53 to 1 compared to congressional Democrats. That was discovered by an investigative journalist. So this is a very dangerous situation that we are in. So big tech becomes the all-powerful gatekeeper in the marketplace of ideas. The all-powerful gatekeeper in the marketplace of ideas. Now, I just want to uh, share something with you, and you're listening to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We've been on the air now for 28 years, uh, come May 7th, and uh, we are here to express some very, very clear viewpoints. We're here to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation. But we're also here to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. God has a perspective. He gives that perspective in his word, and what we attempt to do here on this program is to share that perspective without compromise. That means you have to speak straightly. It means you don't uh, muddle up your words. You don't get uh, limp-wristed about it and speak with a lisp. No, we speak straightly. We don't, if we're speaking opinion, then we try to identify that as opinion and not say, thus saith the Lord. So we try to be fair, try to be honest, but not compromise, because the road to hell is paved at compromise corner. I remember early on, as I was uh, getting ready to launch this radio program, and I sat down with a uh, friend over lunch, and was sharing with this friend what... uh, I felt the Lord was calling me to do, having formed Save America Ministries uh, there in 1993. And uh, 
he said this to me. Chuck, don't say it that way. Say it some other way so it's nice and sweet. It goes down like sugar. Don't say it that way. In other words, don't say something plainly and straightly. This was coming from a Christian brother. Now, I'm not going to mention the person's name because I value that person. However, I did not value what he said because that was exactly the reason why God was calling me to lead the practice of law at the height of my career, to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour, here on the near edge of the second coming, to speak straightly and plainly so that nobody could miss the message. Whatever it would happen to be. Did you know, and maybe you don't know, that the efforts across the broader Christian community to suppress this message are enormous. They do not come out in open, uh, shall we say, language, open efforts to suppress. They just suppress. They suppress quietly. Tacit suppression. In other words, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it, and we don't want anybody else around us to hear it either. And so radio allows us, for the past 28 years, to leap over the walls of religious tech, so to speak, that want to frustrate getting the message into and around God's people and their ears. I'm just telling you the way it really is. I could give you probably an hour's worth of illustrations as to how this works. And the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the greater the intensity to suppress the message. Everybody wants to please somebody else, wants to grow a bigger congregation, wants to build a bigger building, doesn't want to offend somebody. And so, the message is suppressed. So the matter of suppression of speech is not just in the political realm. It's not just in the business realm. It's not just in the overall secular realm in our country. It's everywhere. Yes, even in the church. And with regard to big tech, it doesn't even have to be overly aggressive. It can simply bury content by adjusting their algorithms and changing the relevance assigned to each piece of content. So instead of helping competing concepts surface in the virtual market of ideas, they can effectively silence content that they don't like. Now, the objectionable content still exists but you'll just never know about it. You'll never be able to find the link to find it. On the other hand, it can amplify whatever content it likes, a political speech that touts Facebook or Google's civic responsibility or so on. They'll rank that high. Put it in everybody's feed. 
by interfering, ranking, rating, regurgitating, and burying content, big tech becomes the all-powerful gatekeeper in the marketplace of ideas. So, that's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. You see, preventing speech because you don't like it is actually, as Ken Buck says, it is an assault on freedom and the marketplace of ideas. And that's why big tech's control of vast communications platforms is so ominous. Ominous. And did you know that our founders were opposed to such monopolies? The book, Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. It's a hardbound book. Yours for $24 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today, in the second half of the program, we're joined by Congressman Ken Buck. Uh, he has a uh, very helpful, challenging book called Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. And as we've laid the foundation for this, as a good trial lawyer, I like to present a, a nice foundational opening statement. And this ha- opening statement happened to be 25 minutes long. And uh, so he's joining us. And I'm looking right now at the opening to Chapter 3 of his book, a quote from George Orwell's 1984. Don't you see that the whole aim of Newspeak is to narrow the range of thought? Don't you see that the whole aim of Newspeak is to narrow the range of thought? Well, I think it's actually more potent than that, and that is to corral and corrupt the thought. So that the only thing you can hear as supposed truth is now what people call truth instead of, they call it information, when actually it's disinformation. So today on Viewpoint, uh, in this segment, Ken Buck, Congressman, joining us to talk about this subject. Uh, uh, Congressman, it's good to have you on the program. Thank Great to be with you. Well, as I said, we've laid a, a wonderful opening statement here uh, to the jury of our listeners here. And uh, you've, you're a six, what is it, fourth or sixth term congressman now? Yes, I'm, I have uh, finished my fourth term. I'm in my fifth term right now. Okay, and uh, you're you're on a variety of very, very important committees. I'm looking here, the Freedom Caucus, caucus uh 
ranking member of the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust, Commercial and Administrative Law, and uh, Citizenship, and so on. Uh, these are all extremely important committees. Uh, what brings you to focus, though, particularly concerning big tech's war on free speech? So uh, around four years ago, we started an investigation, uh, the Antitrust Subcommittee, on uh, big tech and their impact on speech in America and, frankly, their their impact on uh, the business practices in, in the particular area. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, just stunned. You know, I, I came into it as a, a free market Republican, a conservative, and, and believed that uh, the market would would take care of itself, and uh, story after story from these small businesses that were crushed and uh, put out of business, and and uh, the way the monopolies uh, acted, Amazon, Apple, uh, Facebook, and Google, uh, to make sure there was no innovation in the marketplace. And we, uh, you know, we're never going to have lower labor rates than China. We're never going to have lower energy costs, uh, but we uh, have always out innovated our world competitors, and when these companies uh, uh, really prohibit uh, innovation, uh, we are going to uh, be in a much worse position in in the world economy. How do they prohibit uh, uh, innovation? What they do is they buy companies that have innovated, and they literally put those uh, products on the shelf so that they don't compete with them. Well, that sounds a lot like what uh, some of our auto manufacturers did. And well, go back, go back even further. Uh, you know, you look at the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and, and others. Right. Uh, we've seen monopolies um, in uh, steel and oil and railroad and banking and uh, the Republican uh, Congress uh, and Republican presidents uh, acted to uh, make sure that there was competition in the marketplace. And, and that's, that's really precisely what, what the antitrust litigation is all about, isn't it? It is. Exactly. But now we're in a new economy. We're not dealing with commodities and services. We're now dealing with information dissemination. Mm-hmm. And, and it's even more dangerous to control information in a democratically elected republic that we are than it is to control banks or steel or oil. And, and so that's really the issue here is we've got we've to look at the, the, the economy in a little different way and make sure that we are proactive. Well, it used to be said that uh, the New York Times publishes all the information that's worth uh, publishing, but now you wonder if it publishes anything that's worth publishing, and yet people still believe it publishes all that's necessary to to be published. Well, clearly it doesn't. It publishes one uh, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But in the newspaper industry, nobody would say that we don't have a, a fair variety of information. We have the Wall Street Journal, we have the New York Post, we have the Washington Post, the New mm-hmm. York Times. We, we have that. In, in cable news, nobody would say that we don't have a fair uh, viewpoint. Uh, in, in, in radio, nobody would say we don't have a, a, a breadth of viewpoints. Although but even in, in cable news, they tried to shut down uh, Newsmax. They tried to shut down Newsmax. They're going after Fox now with lawsuits. Yeah. Uh, they, they absolutely are trying to shut down our side. But they haven't succeeded yet. But when 94% of Americans search on Google, Google has an unbelievable power to put on page one, two, and three pro-Biden material and anti-Trump material. And, and that affects elections. How does that affect elections? Tell us, Give us some illustrations as to how, because a lot of people are told, uh, led to believe, no, uh, Google can't really affect elections. Facebook can't really affect elections. What do you say? 
Well, here's what I say. You and I, uh, you know, look at the issues uh, every day, and, and we make up our minds long before October of uh, presidential election year. Mm-hmm. Most people in America are busy raising their family, making a living, uh, being part of their community, school board, city council, other things, and they don't look at the national issues. So they wake up at the beginning of October, the middle of October, and they go to Google and they uh, put in Trump, they put in Biden, they put in uh, whoever the, the issues or whatever the issues are of the day, and they get this very slanted information. And that's how these companies impact elections. All right. And yet, uh, big tech, whether it's uh, Twitter or uh, Google, Amazon and so on, they tried to tell us that uh, they're, they're not cutting down on free speech. They're, they're, that's just not an accurate accusation. What say you? Well, what I say is I prosecuted for 25 years. And I never had a bank robber come up to me and say, hey, I just robbed a bank. I don't think that these <laughs> folks are going to tell us that they uh, are uh, slanted. And, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're so woke in, in, in their California Silicon Valley world that they may not even think that they're woke. Um, mm-hmm. But but they clearly, when it comes to the Hunter Biden laptop story, they suppress critical information before the election. Clearly, when it comes to uh, Rand Paul's views on masks and the efficacy of, of uh, vaccinations, they uh, they suppress the concealed information from the American public. Uh, and they've done it all over the place. And one of the great things about Elon Musk uh, taking over Twitter is that he has had the opportunity to expose some of the malfeasance that has gone on with big tech. And they despise him for it and are doing everything they can to take him out. You know, being the richest man in the world, it, it, that's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I practiced law as a trial lawyer for 20 years in Southern California. And before that, uh, taught public school there during the most egregious time of uh, the shifting of American education. And uh, one of the things that happened there, it has everything to do with freedom of speech. And I don't know that you would even be aware of this, but uh, we were mandated starting in early 1970s to uh, take our weekends and go to special training sessions. Uh, usually they were down in some nice place like Palos Verdes or something like that. And uh, here's what they consisted of. Uh, we were told, it was called the Encounter Movement, and we were told that you could no longer speak in terms of facts. You had to speak in terms of feelings. So you had to say, I feel, I feel, I feel. You know, kind of like that old thing, I feel like the morning star. Well, nobody becomes the morning star by feeling like it, but that's exactly the spirit that was communicated. And out of that came what I call the lordship of feelings in our country, even in our churches, so that facts became relatively irrelevant, truth became a casualty, and uh, so we're up to somebody like Joe Biden who says, I believe in truth, not facts. Now, isn't that interesting? What he was really saying is, I believe in feelings, not facts. Now, this kind of attitude has been uh, uh, advanced through our entire culture since the early 1970s. And it seems to me 
that uh, it has helped to usher in this uh, current situation where we are under the dominion of those who don't want us to know any facts. Yeah, I, I let me let me respond in the language that you just used. I feel that we have taken a huge step backwards in public education, yeah. in college education, <laughs> and um, in in the way that our country recognizes patriotism and recognizes uh, really what what uh, one of our founding uh, concepts, right. e pluribus unum, out of many one. Right. We've always been a country of immigrants. We've always welcomed people from around the sure. world to this country. All we ask is that you recognize our foundational values and principles and and join us in being the most unique, powerful, prosperous uh, country in the world. So and, you don't just so feel those things. Those that. are actual facts that you know. You don't have to feel them. You just know them and are communicating them. That's the difference. And uh, to, I, I think one of the most dangerous things that's ever happened to American communication uh, and it's pervasive throughout every aspect of our society, even in our churches, they're supposed to be the guardians of truth, is the lordship of feelings, and feelings are so fickle, and therefore Americans are now easily, easily swayed, yes, even by big tech. I want to make your book available, Congressman, to our listeners here. It's a hardbound book, friends, a, a $30 book, actually, and it's yours for $24 on our website, saveus.org. It's called Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. I think it's going to be very enlightening to you. Uh, I urge you to go to the website, saveus.org. And to get it there, you give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Ready a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, we're going to be heading into a break here shortly, Congressman. I hope you can stay with us. Absolutely. Good. Okay. So uh, tell us what area of the country you're representing. I represent uh, Colorado's 4th Congressional District, which is the eastern side of Colorado. They, we, we get to see the mountains. Uh, we get to enjoy them when we drive over there. But the folks in my district are the hardworking people who work in agriculture and uh, oil and gas and uh, all the things that uh, we need to make our, our homes run yeah. and, and work. Well, we're so glad that you've joined us here on the program today. We'll be right back after this. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome 
Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint does determine destiny, friends. As we've said over and over again, every single day for 28 years, there are no neutral viewpoints. All of our viewpoints have some effect in determining destiny. That's one of the reasons why big tech doesn't want your viewpoint out there, because they know very well that if your viewpoint actually gets out there that is contrary to theirs, it might just change destiny, a destiny that they don't want, and therefore they want to curtail your ability to speak. Well, I'm thinking now, I'm putting in my imagination, the I, I'm visualizing this image in my mind right now, Congressman Buck, uh, and that is the image of a modern-day Tower of Babel. Uh, Amazon has given us the renderings for this building to be built right there in our nation's capital. It's to be their grand headquarters, imaging after the uh, Tower of Babel of Genesis chapter 11 that uh, has not been looked upon uh, favorably since that period of time. And now Amazon wants to replicate that, and I'm just wondering if... That is not really a reflection of the mind and heart of the then Jeff Bezos, who was heading it all up, to actually be a participant of Moeth High Tech to take global dominion. What do you think? Well, I, I certainly think that the more confusion that the left can create, uh, it benefits the left. The, 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 we, we start um, on the right with clarity. We know right from wrong. We, we, as you said earlier, we deal with facts, not feelings. Mm-hmm. And we have a book that we refer to to help us understand um, moral actions and our responsibility uh, to love our neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, to, to love the one God that, that reigns over our, uh, our, our world. And, uh, and really the one God that, uh, helped create this country and make it so unique and special. And so if, uh, if the other side can create confusion, they, they hope that they will, uh, drive enough people away from our views that they can, they can win this battle. And, and it's, it's sad because you can see the result in our country with, uh, single parent births and, uh, the crime rate rising and education, uh, yeah. uh being um, uh, diminished and all of the the issues that uh, we would look at to see social dysfunction are increasing that's right and they're not just increasing they're promoted <laughs> and they're promoted by a viewpoint that's coming under the uh, broad umbrella of high tech in all of its manifestations and it's interesting to me you use the word confusion that is precisely the word that describes what God did to the people at Babel as they were building their tower. He confused their language. Now they want to confuse the language that is good, honorable, just, true, honorable, and so on. They want to confuse that for a purpose. And I'm thinking right now of a fellow by the name of Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab has declared uh, a great reset to take place in its finality uh, within uh, six and a half years from now, 2030. The United Nations has declared the same thing under their agenda 2030. All of that requires, I think, 
the uh, suppression of true communications that are moral, that are substantial, that would preserve the integrity, for instance, of our own country. They must diminish that in order to absorb Americans into this new global world government orb. That's what I see happening. Do you see anything about that? Yeah, I do. I think that uh, the the left around the world is much more organized than than, uh, conservatives around the world, than people who recognize the value of uh, a democracy, a, a republic, people who recognize the value of uh, capitalism, of, of people being able to uh, uh, benefit from their hard work. And so uh, mo- most of the folks, and I see this in my congressional district, in my home state, and around the country. Oh, yeah. Like well, Colorado is one of the most liberal countries, uh, country, uh, uh, counties or states in the country, isn't it? Well, it, it is getting more and more so. I like to think that California, uh, you know, takes the, the cake in that regard, but certainly... <laughs> Colorado is competing, and half of California has moved here because they want to get away from the high taxes, and then they start uh, their their programs all over again. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, being there in Colorado and uh, taking a week away for prayer and fasting in a place called Prayer Mountain, just on the slopes of Pikes Peak, America's Mountain, back in 1966. Excuse me, 1996. And uh, I had a tremendous burden for our country. I had a tremendous burden for uh, the church in our country and so on. And uh, Colorado, it's interesting, was a magnet to draw my friend uh, Jim Dobson, uh, whom I had known even before he formed Focus on the Family, to draw him and his organization to to uh, Colorado. Uh, what's happened there? How is it that... Colorado could become a magnet for some of many of these evangelical ministries and yet become so hyper-liberal. Well, it, it really is uh, not a difficult issue. Uh, a lot of tech firms moved to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their employees are, are left of center. Um, okay. And even though they gain tremendously from a, a capitalist system, they pour their money into very liberal uh, causes. And we've had a few uh, billionaires in Colorado who have spent tens of millions of dollars every election cycle to dominate the politics in Colorado. Mm. And uh, you just can't continue to get outspent and not build the infrastructure that the other side's building uh, and, and compete. I was the state Republican chair in Colorado four years ago, and uh, it was a very difficult cycle uh, for uh, candidates in Colorado, but it was really part of a trend that mm-hmm. the other side has benefited from. All right, so where do we go from here? We, we've diagnosed the problem. We know that there's a, a serious, serious problem out there. Is there any hope of correcting this uh, high-tech domination of speech? There is, and I, and I talk about in the end of the book, the fact that, uh, you know, having next-day delivery of of some product that you uh, uh, search for and and buy online is great. But if you know that the people who are running that company are spending millions and millions of dollars on candidates and and politicians uh, who hate us, do you really want that convenience when you can go to the store and buy something or when you can... 
uh, order from another company. And so don't order from, from a company just because they give you next day service. Or don't, don't buy don't, beer from a company that's in Colorado that's decided to embrace the most liberal elements of the society. Right? Don't don't search on a search engine uh, uh, from a company that hates you. Don't <laughs> and, and you can go you can go right down the list. Yeah. Don't use their products. That's the number one thing you can do is to not use their products. Yeah. And, and one of the interesting things is they 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 track every movement we make. If you use Waze, if you use uh, Google Maps, and you leave that tracking device on, mm-hmm. you are now allowing that company to track you all over the world. And they will know everywhere you go. If you turn that off, you deny them a little bit of information at a period of time and and, and, and just make them a little less valuable. And and so I believe that you own your, uh, your uh, online data. The companies make you sign a statement that they own that data. Someday we'll get to the point where people can choose what company they want to search with and move their data to that company, and and that's going to be really important. All right, so what can you do? What are you doing there as a congressman uh, to effectuate that? We passed six bills out of the House Judiciary Committee last Congress. Mm -hmm. Um, We passed three bills off of the floor that will help in this regard. We We have a long ways to go because there's a real... Strong debate. The other side spent $38 million in one month, one month, mm. opposing the antitrust bills, the pro-competition bills that we uh, offered. And so it's, it's really a David and Goliath story. But mm. we're going to keep fighting. I hope people read the book. I hope they get engaged. And uh, we'd love to have more help from the public. Well, I'm so appreciative of this. Uh, how many children do you have? I have two children, but six grandchildren. That's the key. Much, much better than kids. <laughs> well, I've got 11 of those. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, this is this is a world that I would never, ever believed as a 10 year old uh, back in 1955. I would never, ever believe that my grandchildren would be facing what they're facing today. It is uh, mind boggling, so mind boggling that uh uh, I, I, I'm having a hard time just keeping up with the, the technology necessary to stay on the radio, let alone all of this other stuff. So uh, uh, how are you dealing with those uh, uh, children or grandchildren on these issues? Oh, I tell you what, uh, they are so focused on being able to hit a baseball and <laughs> run with a football. And, Is this high-tech uh, baseball? No, no, it's it's good old-fashioned, you know, uh, baseball bat. It's, uh-huh. it's an aluminum bat. It's a little different than what I played, but yeah. it's an aluminum bat. But still, it's uh, it's just it's just good to see kids running around, getting some fresh air, exercising. Um, and and you know what, my my kids don't let the schools indoctrinate their kids. They are active at the dinner table, making sure their kids understand right from wrong and what made America great. That's wonderful. And how does your wife uh, put up with your crusading? Well, I don't have a wife at the at the current time. Um, oh. um, so, I, you know, I'm happy to advertise on your uh, show. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the website is BucksForColorado.com. <laughs> all inquiries there. Um, always looking for a good Christian lady, but I am uh, I am a part of a community that that is struggling to make sure that we. Uh, we uh, uphold the values that are so important. 
Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the program today, Ken. Uh, I, I can't tell you, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you ever knew uh, Congressman Carlos Moorhead. Uh, no. He was from Southern California. He'd been in this Congress for a very long time, Christian man. And uh, I had run twice for the state legislature there in California. And uh, 15 years later, uh, Moorhead was retiring. And so people were coming to me and saying, Chuck, uh, why don't you just uh, run for his spot? So I sat down with uh, a veteran uh, state senator, Christian brother, over lunch one day. And I said, Newt, here is my problem. Uh, I believe that God wants me to do something important for our country. Uh, I've got this opportunity now to run. I have a track record there. And uh, I said, do you have any input? And here was his answer to me, Ken. Chuck, don't do it. (laughs) He said, you're going to bang your head against the wall. He said, I know that you are one of the best purveyors of the message of the gospel and of Christ and taking the issues of our time and welding them together from a biblical and Christian viewpoint. He said, that's what I think you should do. So here we are, 20 year, 28 years later, on the air doing just that. So, Ken, it's good to have you on the program. I'm glad somebody took the uh, option to uh, fight the wars there in the Congress. Well, thank you. Uh, your friend was absolutely right. Uh, it is banging your head against the wall. But if good people don't bang their head against the wall, sometimes uh, all we find is bad people making bad policy. Well, so what, I, what you may not realize is that uh, I'm banging my head against the wall here, too. And it's almost like trying to paddle a canoe straight up Niagara Falls. Right. right. <laughs> Lord bless you, well, Ken. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been great to be with you. All right, friends, here's the book, Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Uh, It's a $30 book, yours for $24, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, can I urge you to become a partner with us? We truly are confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home. And have you noticed that every single day is fresh and separate and different? Nothing scripted, friends. Do you value that? Has the Lord prompted you at any time to become a partner with us? Why don't you listen to that voice? We'll be back with you tomorrow with the Titanic. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.